heart is how easily I can ignore him. So easily. I can so easily override the voice of the Holy Spirit. My will in that moment is sovereign. I can do what I want to do. The Holy Spirit doesn't control me or uh, dictate to me what to do. I allow him to guide me and lead me. His, his voice is quiet. Um, it's a, it's a uh-huh or a uh-uh. And it can be, he can speak to us about big things and little things. Um, big things like giving up, stop, stopping taking drugs. You know, if, you go, if, you, if you're becoming a Christian and starting to walk with God and you go to um, pick up a spliff and you feel the voice of the Holy Spirit, uh-uh, easily can be ignored but you know it's him speaking to you. And go, go into the cupboard to get another chocolate biscuit when you've already eaten loads. I can easily ignore that, but I know the Holy Spirit speaks to me about that stuff, small stuff, little things. Uh-uh. And it's, a, it's about listening to him and responding to him and relating to him and allowing him to prompt and guide and lead my life. Um, and it's, it's incredible the way that God does that. And he leads us into truth and he leads us into freedom. So I do want to be a person that doesn't ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. I always feel so ashamed when I have ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because you know, don't you, when you have. And I always think to myself, oh gosh, well, come on, Kate. What, how, why would you do that? Why would you? He's Lord Jesus. Why would you not do what he's asking you to do? How could you think that he doesn't know best in that situation? Get down my flesh. So, the Holy Spirit. In the imagination, pictures is an incredible way that God speaks to us. I'm forever amazed and stunned by the, the way that God can put a simple picture in your mind to explain a deep, complex spiritual truth and Jesus did it all the time in his teaching. The kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of God is like. And he would take an everyday simple picture that all of the people he was teaching would under, understand about and say the kingdom of heaven is like this. And then they would need to discern, oh yeah, what is he saying? What's, it, what's he trying to teach us? Um, the, the first picture that I ever was, was given myself, for myself, um, again, was when I was a young Christian. And it was a picture that came into my mind of me driving a car. And I was driving the car really fast towards a brick wall. And I was, I was also standing in front of the car at the brick wall. And I felt like I, I was trying to understand what the picture meant. And I felt like God was saying to me, your life is like... A car crash waiting to happen with you behind the wheel, driving full pelt towards destruction. Jesus was also in the car, in the passenger seat. So I knew what God was saying to me, we need to swap seats. And <laughs> oh, So a, a profound spiritual truth that Jesus needs to be in control of my life, shown, shown to me for a simple picture amazing and I'm sure loads of you are relating to me right now with the pictures that God has given you for other people for your own self for the church for different things situation this is like this 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 thing that's happening in the natural it's like this what's happening in the spiritual amazing and um, through dreams God can speak to us and um, if you read uh, Matthew 1 and 2 God spoke to Joseph so much through dreams 
very significant time in his life being the father, the earthly father, obviously not his, Jesus, his real father, but the man on earth who was given responsibility for looking after baby Jesus. And there was a lot of peril that could have been going on around Jesus. And God spoke to Joseph through dreams and told him what to do, told him to escape to Egypt, told him that Mary was telling the truth. And Joseph responded to the dreams that he had and obeyed God's voice through the dreams that he had. And through other people, so the gift of prophecy, when people speak God's word into our lives, um, an amazing gift. The, the first time I ever came to church here, I've told this story five million times, sorry, but it's such a powerful story because it literally redirected the course of my life. Was I'd just finished my, my degree in publishing and had a plan and everything and came here, met with Lynn. She said, can I pray for you? She took me out into the back room to pray for me. Oh dear, I can see you surrounded by children. And that was the next 15 years of my life, that prophetic word that she spoke into me. And uh, we, we need to do that. And I want to encourage us as a church to be people that prophesy, to speak into people's lives and speak the word of God over people, over situations. And um, yeah, God really spoke to me that day through Lynn. And I made a few adjustments according to that word. Um, through talks and preaches, I always pray, um, actually always, apart from today, I didn't, but often I pray before I talk, Holy Spirit, speak above and beyond what I'm going to say, because it, again, amazes me that I can speak to, how it, so there's 40 people in this room now, and I'm speaking to you, and, and as I'm speaking from here to here for you, the Holy Spirit is converting the message and applying it to your life, which is incredible, isn't it, that he can do that. So that's what I mean when I say Holy Spirit speak above and beyond what I'm saying because he can be driving deeper truths into your hearts. He can be speaking into specific situations that you're facing. So I'm speaking one message, but the Holy Spirit's working on all of your hearts, which is amazing. Um, and he, God can speak through our friends, um, other Christians, fellowship, people speaking into our lives, people that know us well that we allow to speak into our lives can say hey you know you need to sort that out you need to sort this out and um yeah god can use other people and then from his word the bible which is obviously so important the scriptures the word of god it's not a book it's not an ordinary book it's life it's the it's the word of god the very word of god it's alive and um, as you read it god can speak to you about himself about situations that you face about other people and also incredibly again later the holy spirit can help you to recall what you have read so just an example um somebody asked me to get involved with a situation that they were facing please i need your help did it and i was like okay let me let me just think about it and let me get back to you and then later on i was worshiping in in a meeting and the holy spirit said into my heart Getting involved with another person's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ear, which is a proverb that I'd read who knows when. I'd, it's not in my conscious memory, that proverb, but I'd some, at some point in my life read it and the, it was there and the Holy Spirit brought it right up, to my, right up to the front of my mind and I knew what to do. I knew that I had to get in touch with that person and say, yeah, I'm really sorry, I can't get involved because it would have been as foolish as yanking a dog's ear. <laughs> but... Yeah, God does that all the time. 
in situations. He'll just prompt you with a word, word from God, a word that you've already read in the Bible, and then if he does that, you know what to do. Okay, any other examples that I haven't mentioned? <coughs> yes. Through nature. Through nature, yes, definitely. Do you want to say an example specifically? Just... Yeah. Oh, the kingdom of God is like you digging this hole and planting this seed. Mm, yeah, so God speaks to us through gardening, definitely, Karen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Karen, um, God spoke to Karen for a verse in the Bible. This is for the benefit of the studio audience. Um, and he's done that with Lynn as well. That's how Lynn got saved, wasn't it? By giving her, giving her a, vi- a verse from the Bible before she knew those verses from the Bible. Yeah, so through his word, when you don't even know his word. Has anyone heard the audible voice of God? Yeah, tell us about that then. Show off. <laughs> Um, like when I was first a Christian and um, on the Monday I got a picture from God and um, it kind of ripped me up a bit really and it was really sad and I didn't sleep very well for the next few days and I I was really upset and um, I was on the phone sort of four days later talking to a friend and and saying that this picture's really upset me and I don't know what to do and then I just had this interruption and it was just, just fix your eyes on Jesus, Karen. And it didn't make me feel much better at the time. And I didn't know that that was a verse in the Bible either. But um, but then over the next few days, then it encouraged me and helped me. So what you heard that voice yeah. in the air? Yeah, because I don't... Not in your head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Any other ways? Thank you. Any other, anyone other than Karen ever heard from God? <laughs> yes, Nate? Yeah, so I need to use the example of God speaking to her through the television and I think some people were saying that yesterday about God speaking through adverts or through other people. It doesn't have to be a Christian, but someone might just say something and you know that in that moment that's God speaking to you through that person's wisdom or whatever they're saying. Um, Okay, time's up, but I'm sure there's there's so many other ways. Um, so ask, asking God questions, this is just an interesting exercise that you can do. And again, it's a great New Year exercise to do, or it's a great thing to do whenever. But these are just some questions that I thought that would be good to know. God, how can I bear fruit for your kingdom? How can I love, bless, serve my wife, husband, children, family? You know, taking the time to specifically ask God that, he might actually tell you. I ask God to... Uh, speak to me about my mum about how to help our relationship and he God told me to take her away for a birthday every year for the weekend which is a big investment of time um 
And uh, we've been doing it for seven years now, and it's really transformed our relationship, and we look forward to it every year. And, like, it was just a genius idea from heaven that God gave me to all you daughters out there. Um, this is a really important one. What do you want me to do with my money? What do you want, if, you know, if you're husband and wife, what do you want us to do with our money? And this is something that I think as Christians we need to ask God on a regular basis because you might have um, walked with God for many years and tithed for many years and started giving £10 to a charity 20 years ago and if you look for your direct debits, you're still doing that, but there might be no life attached to that anymore. God might have totally moved moved you on in your life regarding that charity or that situation. if you've got extra spare money, ask God what to do with it. Don't spend it on yourself. Do, do, do something with it. Give it to somebody. Give it to a charity. Um, yeah, make sure that you're giving enough to the church. You might have started off with a 10% tithe, but God might be saying to you, now's the time to increase that. But I always find that such an exciting um, exercise to do. And th- there's, a whole lo- there's a whole miraculous realm when it comes to finances. I- think is absolutely impossible to outgive God. And the incredible, strange thing is that the more generous you are, the more generosity seems to come back and bite you. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So that's exciting. I just think that's fun to have that attitude with money. And it's a way to get out of poverty and out of debt as well, to just keep bringing your finances to God and ask God what to do with them. And before long, you're in a situation where you can have more to give away. I'm sure that's true of our amazing God. Okay, how can I serve at church? Who can I serve at church? So think about the people in church. Who, do, who does God want you to be friends with? Who does God want you to have around to dinner? Who does God want you to help serve? Is there any offensive way in me? And how can I grow more in you? And this last question, what do you like? Um, I heard a a woman speaking about this, about her relationship with God. And she said, um, that the Holy Spirit said to her, oh, you're always talking to me. I've got things to say as well. (laughs) So she said to God, um, okay, what do you like, God? And she felt the Holy Spirit say to her, I like pomegranates. All you Old Testament scholars, just think about that. He does. He really likes pomegranates. He's amazing, isn't he? So if you ask him, you might learn more about him. Okay, what stops us from hearing God's voice? Um, just a few things to think about for us. And in the context of living free teaching, these would be, we would call these strongholds, things in our life that are preventing us from being free in Christ. So unbelief, the, the thought patterns and the lies. I don't believe God's speaking to me. I don't believe that I can hear God's voice. Fear. I'm anxious, I'll get it wrong. I'm worried about what other people will think of me. Insignificance, I'm not really needed in this church slash prayer meeting slash team anyway. What what I've heard won't be taken seriously. Pride, I can hear God better than that person. I don't need to do it that way. Cynicism, it's unlikely as God speaks as much as people think he does. I think people are getting carried away hearing from God. He's already spoken in his word and this is over the top. So if you, if you can recognise any of those voices in your own minds, you, you might consider whether they are actually strongholds in your thinking. And you can ask God to reveal to you any strongholds that you have about hearing from God. 
and then go through the process of repenting and replacing them. Okay. What should we do when we hear God's voice? So two things that are really important, or two things that I've highlighted that are important, I'm sure there's lots more important things, but discernment, certainly. Is this prompting or word, wisdom, etc., from God? So both our sister Eve and our brother David were both prompted, but we know in hindsight that the promptings they received weren't from God. Eve was prompted to eat the apple. Clearly the devil prompting her. David was prompted to go and hook up with Bathsheba and murder her husband. Probably the flesh prompting David in that instance. So if you feel a prompting, a word, whatever, then some questions to ask. Is, is what I'm hearing consistent with the scriptures? If you don't know the scriptures, then you need to ask somebody. Is what I'm hearing consistent with the life and character of Christ? And does what I'm hearing resonate with other believers? And when a word is shared or when you share something with another believer, often it will resonate in that person's heart. And they'll be like, yeah, I, feel, I think that's God's word for you. I think that's what you need to do. And um, don't be surprised if what you hear from God doesn't re- resonate with unbelievers. Don't expect all your unbelieving friends and family to get the spiritual journey that you're on or to understand the words that God is speaking to you because the, the thing that resonates is in the spirit. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So when I uh, felt that God was speaking to me about giving up teaching... Obviously, that isn't worldly wisdom. So I I wasn't able to go to my parents all excited and say, hey, mum and dad, God's asking me to give up teaching. Because they weren't going to be like, woohoo, God's telling you to give up your career and commit financial suicide and do nothing with your life. Woohoo! So don't expect that of people or be disappointed if it happens. When I spoke to Phil and Marianne, who were the pastors of this church at the time, about me feeling that God was asking me to lay down teaching to go into ministry, it resonated with them. Phil cried and gave me a big hug, and then they met and prayed and gave me a job in the church. (laughs) So it's not worldly wisdom. And and often a lot of the things that God asks us to do are not worldly wisdom. It's kingdom living, and it's different from worldly living. It has its own set of rules and its own set of priorities. The kingdom has its own set of rules and priorities that are different from the world. And So we might look mad and people might look at us and think, mm. but if it's consistent with scripture, consistent with the life of Christ and it's resonating with mature believers around you, then you could think to yourself, okay, maybe God's speaking to me. When, we, when we're planning to hear God's voice, we can pray to bind the enemy who was the one who tempted Eve, and we can bind our flesh, which is probably what tempted David, and ask the Holy Spirit to come and guide us and speak to us. Um, So that's the importance of discernment. And then the importance of um, obedience. When we know that we have heard from God, the next step then is to obey his commands. So just a couple of examples about obedience. So Acts chapter 9 um, Ananias, not often spoken about, but you'll see from this scripture what a guy he was, what a man Ananias was, and what he did in obedience to what God spoke to him about. So if you've, if you've got your Bibles, this is Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation 
Um, you can listen if you haven't got your Bibles. So just to put it in context, Jesus is crucified and resurrected and believers of Christ, believers of Jesus are beginning to uh, spread the word and the church has been born and the church is growing and people are getting saved, people are getting baptised, people are getting filled with the Holy Spirit and the gospel is beginning to be preached outside of Jerusalem. So, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. So this is a man, he's a Pharisee, he's a follower of Judaism and he's angry about people coming away from that and believing in Christ they were at that time Christians were called followers of the way and he was taking it upon himself to go and find followers of the way and to bring them back to Jerusalem in chains men and women so this is a passionate man God's thinking hmm a man who's willing to travel to other cities with the passion that he has a man who is willing to go to any lengths to do what he believes in Maybe I could use this man. Maybe I could do something with this Saul guy. So, as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, uttering threats with every breath, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him and he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one that you are persecuting now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul were speechless. They heard the sound of someone's voice, but they, did, they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there for three days and didn't eat or drink. So Saul's in Damascus. The followers of the way in Damascus probably heard through the grapevine that he was on his way to chain them and take them to Jerusalem. So just try and imagine how they were feeling. There was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. If he was here tonight and I said, anyone, any other ways that anyone's heard the Lord's voice, Ananias would have put his hand up and said, I had a vision. <laughs> God spoke to me in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem. And as if God didn't know. And for your information, Lord, he's authorised by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. How often do you do that when you hear God's voice? Hopefully you're close enough with the Holy Spirit to hear him telling you to do things every now and again. How often do you quickly rationalise what he's told you to do? Quickly talk yourself out of it because of fear. Quickly give it God all the reasons and excuses why you couldn't possibly do that. That's what Ananias is doing in this moment. And he would be thinking, is that really, that can't be God? 
Now, that can't be God because Saul is coming to murder us. So, yeah, that can't be God. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, Ananias went and found Saul. Well done, Ananias. I would love to have known what was going on in Ananias' mind on his journey from his, the place where he had the vision from God to go and find Saul. The stomach churning, the heart racing, the fear, the sweat. Oh, what am I going to do when I get there? I wonder how many times he tried to talk himself out of it to not do it. But he found him and he laid his hands on him and he said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias laid his hands upon Saul and Saul was baptised in the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Holy Spirit he took the gospel to the nations. Well done, Ananias. <laughs> we only ever really hear of Saul from then on who became Paul because he wrote the rest of the New Testament but what about the guy who prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What about that obedient, brave man who did what God asked him to do and ended up empowering the man who became the Apostle Paul, St. Paul? Well done, Ananias. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. He got up, he was baptised. I wonder if Ananias got to baptise him as well. When they, heard, when they were all talking about the Apostle Paul and the great things he was doing, I wonder if Ananias sat back as an arm and said, I baptised him. <laughs> oh, I was the one who prayed for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I wonder if Ananias spent the rest of his year sharing his testimony. Oh, it was so scary because, I mean, you know, he came to Damascus to kill us. And I was thinking to myself, is that you, God? God told me to go to Straight Street. And you imagine all of his, everyone, yeah. Afterwards, he ate some food and he regained his strength and regained his strength to go and preach the gospel. So well done, Ananias. And then just to finish, Jonah. Um, well, it's, it's the first three chapters of Jonah, he, the story about him obeying God. But this will cut, I'll just read the first sentence because it will kind of get the point across. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. <laughs> oh, hold on. Let me finish the sentence. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. And you all know what happened next if you went to Sunday school. You got in a right pickle. And eventually he did obey God, but he put himself through some serious trauma before obeying God. So I'll leave you to think about that. <laughs> okay, good. So on the last page, there's a quick reference check. These are some things that Jesus said. Um, so if, if you say, dear Lord Jesus, when you pray, you're saying Jesus is your Lord, Lord Jesus. These are some of the things he said. How's your obedience? One, don't stir up treasures on earth. Two, stop judging others. Three, don't worry about tomorrow. Four, love your enemies. Five, give your gifts in secret. Six, don't lustfully look at a woman. Seven, be reconciled with people who have something against you. Eight, 
Don't resist an evil person. If you're slapped on the right cheek, turn the other cheek too. <laughs> that's enough to be getting on with right there, isn't it? That's not even one whole verse. That's just a tiny bit of one of his sermons. So, enjoy listening to God. Develop your relationship with him. And if he tells you to do something, do it. Do it. <laughs> You can applaud, I know you want to. <laughs> okay, thanks, Kate. Um, so, people having prayer, I believe. Steve, Georgia, Helen, um, Mark, um, Rebecca, one more who 